Hello friends and welcome to our podcast. I'm Rebecca. I'm Donna. And I'm David. And we are the Energy Up. Hey Donna. Hey Rebecca. How do you feel today? Well, feeling good. Um, I, w- I was thinking about how this is going to go, that we're introducing ourselves by the way we feel today, since we're so many different things. Um, so today I think I'm going to tell you that I am co-owner of Calling All Angels, which is where we're at today. We're in Lakewood, and it's a little metaphysical shop. Adorable and, and beautiful. Healing center, and we love it here. And as for me, uh, I'm an intuitive psychic. I also do a lot of clearing work, and that is where I'm focusing lately, is clearing energy that doesn't belong in my space. And David, who are you and how are you today? I'm well today as well. Um, I'm getting ready to take a, I'm a little anxious because I'm getting ready to take another trip. I just got back uh, from a relaxing trip and now I'm going on a trip with my dad. Uh, my parents are thinking of moving down south uh, and to North Carolina. This is kind of a new thing for me. So I'm just kind of accepting that all the changes right now and kind of embracing all of the different like surprises I guess right now um so that's kind of cool uh it's a little scary as well I'd have to admit but it's like cool scary um and just making some personal changes in my life with my health and my mindset and that kind of thing and career-wise like uh, I'm a realtor full-time I really enjoy that and uh, I'm also an intuitive so those kind those two things actually go really well together uh, it uses up lots of my different parts of my brain, my left and my right, all the different, um, you know, the analytical and the artsy part and the psychologist, all of those different things kind of meld with both of the, of, of these things that I do for work. And, um, I would just say I'm really enjoying life right now. Um, I'm not going to say that it's like super, super easy at the moment, but it is real, it's, there's never, there's not a dull moment right now. Right? Not a bad place to be. No, I'm excited <laughs> about where things are headed and I'm, I, I'm trying to stay in faith. So, because that's the energy for me to stay in faith that everything is unfolding as it should. Oh yeah. So I, I'm along for the ride instead of trying to, uh, control the ride too much because it's more fun to be a an observer who has a has a part in the play instead of trying to uh, run the show (laughs) so that's kind of where I'm at today that's kind of who I am right now tomorrow might change so we'll have to see so you'll have to tune in next week (laughs) yeah for all my personalities I'm kidding I'm kidding Anyway, no, I'm just, like I said, this is another thing. Just doing this today is really exciting. It's just opening up lots of new doors and doing this traveling with my dad and exploring some new career opportunities. It's all really, it's all great. New adventures. New adventures. Yeah, absolutely. How about you, Rebecca? Who are you today? How are you feeling? Well, thank you for asking. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm Rebecca. And how I feel today is... Um, you know, today is, a, is an interesting day today. I'm, I'm excited about our podcast project. I'm 
very enthused about all of the things we're going to be able to discuss together because I love anytime we can sit together and dish opinions on all the different things as we've done so much in the past and you know I'm just really looking forward to that and I, I think that you know anybody listening in is going to really enjoy that right along with a, with with of us with of us um, <laughs> and I, I'm coming off a, a kind of a wonky week you know I think you guys have noticed in the last few weeks too things speaking of energy things have been kind of turbulent and a little wonky in places and um, you know I'm coming off a, a week that has really tested my patience and and tested my ability to find resources and things like that and those are the periods in which we're growing. So I'm definitely feeling my growing pains right now, mm. which is not a bad thing. Um, and I really am looking forward to things kind of coming more into alignment and having a little a little pressure off in some of the areas. But that said, it's not unmanageable. It's not anything too too awful at the moment. I you know right. I actually feel really good and really optimistic, and I'm really excited about all the things that we. We have plans, oh, yeah. and I think I think we all agree. We, being also an intuitive and an empath, I think we're you know we find ourselves to be a lot sensitive to different shifts in the cosmos that other people may not even be picking up on. Absolutely, and daily, <laughs> daily. I mean, every day. Yeah. Waking up and kind of getting. Putting your little finger out, in, wetting in your finger air. and seeing where the wind is <laughs> Which blowing. Which way is the wind blowing? Yeah, away? absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so sometimes, you know, one of the things that we always have to incorporate is we, we kind of have to slow ourselves down and stop for a minute and really weigh out, is this is this my thing yes. that I'm trying to navigate? Mm -hmm. Or have I stepped into somebody else's thing that is on me and I'm trying yeah. to, to navigate through that as well? And that's a real thing for empaths. It really is. We have to constantly <laughs> navigate whether it's our energy or someone else's that we are trying to deal with. So. Yeah, we were we were before the podcast started. We were talking about triggers too, and I was noticing and have noticed for a while that my telephone, being a realtor and an intuitive, right. is a can be a trigger because uh, it's mm -hmm. like. You is know, it pulled up? Am I answering quickly enough? Or is this good mm -hmm. news or is it bad news? Or, right. And maybe um, the energy of that um, is kind of a message to me, too, that I'm kind of starting to get that maybe turning off the phone every once mm -hmm. in a while oh, for yeah. a couple hours mm -hmm. a day or, you know, taking, being on my own, you, what it does is it forces other people's agenda onto yes. us. <laughs> no and question. we kind of got to take that back, take our agenda back so we can stay in alignment. Like you said, Rebecca, the alignment word is so important. I love it. Um, to stay in alignment and to put out the best energy we can, right, Donna, as oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Well, um, and and so to important. create to create good instead of panic. And to have healthy boundaries. Oh, when yeah. before in the history mm -hmm. of, of us as a people have we ever had to have such strong, strong and healthy boundaries? boundaries right? yeah. and, and to really pr protect ourselves from taking on some of that negative stuff that's floating around, around out there or, and then accidentally contributing to it because we mm -hmm. let it get right. you know on you our stuff and right get sucked stuff in back. Mm -hmm. yeah and so yes the phone the internet all of those little wonderful technological devices that we have so so 
easily accessible to us also are a huge contributor to all of our stress and, and all that. neuroses yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely exactly yeah. and it's you know we it's almost as if sometimes and I, this might be in my own head but we don't have permission to have downtime even if we're having oh, downtime yeah. but if we don't respond right away to somebody oh, yeah, you start that's yeah. that mm -hmm. put, again that puts me on alert and i don't right. like the feeling all yeah. the time yeah, i don't like mind it edge all right time. and on someone else's agenda right. so might you know we need to keep our agenda our agenda our schedule is our schedule and we can train others to that we will respond but it doesn't have to be immediately or and we don't have to get sucked into the social media about whatever everyone else is doing constantly either so that this all kind of segs into what i was thinking of talking about um today the energy of control Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so i like your agenda Thing. I think that's a good part of this conversation and boundaries is a good part of this conversation because I think I learned a long time ago about control you know I'm kind of a control freak in a way yeah. no way <laughs> just ask my kids <laughs> they'll tell you um, I like to have things my way I like them to be done in a certain way and it's hard for me to relinquish control to have someone else do part of a job or something like that because oh my gosh if it's not done right my goodness it's gonna upset me however having said that uh i learned a long time ago that control is actually kind of an illusion hmm. you know as human beings i do not think that we have the control that we think we do um agreed there are so many things happening out in in you know that day to day that you know just are out of our control and so I think it's important to sort of start looking at the energy of control and what we think about it, what we think we have control over, what we actually have control over, if anything, um, that kind of a thing. And I think that also goes along with what you were talking about, David, around the going with the flow. Yeah. So yeah. I Easier think, said than done. I think control is a great topic to talk about. Great. <laughs> um, so... If I can tell you just a little story. I would love it. So when I uh, for first, well, when I was young, in my early 20s, and I got married, and I had the wedding, and all the things, like, all the things that I knew I was supposed to do, you know, you we have little stories in our head of how things are going to go in our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so... And what we're expected to do. Right. What we're expected to do, what we think our culture sort of tells us, you know, this is this is the, the path of your life. This is the progress. You you graduate high school, you go to college, you you get married, you have children, you, you know, you have the white picket fence, and then you move on, you know, along those little things. And so one of the interesting things was I got married and had a child and that was all pretty much going along as planned, although I did have a little hard time conceiving. It took me a few years, but I did finally get pregnant, had a baby. And then, you know, about a year or two later, things got pretty rocky in my marriage and I thought, well, okay, you know, I 
going to get a divorce, which that kind of fits into our world, right? I figured... What do you mean when you say that? I mean... How does that fit in? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean like, people get divorced me. all the time, right? Like, yeah, Like, absolutely. that's not the... You can still have the white picket fence and everything and be divorced. That's okay. Because, you know, as so a parent... So two white picket fences. Right? Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a um, Moms and dads. And you can have your... You know, I mean, you can still kind of have the life that you thought you were going to have. Your child's going to have two parents. It's going to be... Uh, you know, the the dad will play a part, his part, the mom will play her part, the kid will grow up having support of both parents and all of those things. And so, I mean, even though the divorce wasn't exactly, you know, the the little pretty happy picture, it was still okay. I worked with my son's father to have visitation and all those things. And, and that still kind of fit into the agenda of how things go. Where right. Can go the American standard. Yeah, the American standard. And right. things were still in my control, right? Like, right. we're right. still, still controlling it. this That's story, right? right? right. <laughs> okay. And so, then, when my son was about three and a half, his father died. And that uh -oh. was a great big, so don't worry, my son's 26, so he's lived a long time like this. This isn't a fresh wound. But his father died when he was three and a half and talk about a shock like all of a sudden all my ideas about how my son's life was gonna go how my life was gonna go how I was gonna pay for my son how I was gonna you know do anything just flew right out the window and it was completely out of my control mm -hmm. there it was, was a sudden like, was this just out yeah. of the blue? So mm -hmm. totally unexpected. Car accident. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, and he actually lived for eight days. And then, so I was at the hospital and being, because we hadn't even been divorced very long. And so I, you still had an opportunity to have a little more control, yeah, a little yeah, control yeah. during for eight more days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely... Um, I try. I used as much as I could. I was praying. I was bargaining. I was doing all the things because I was. I really wanted to even control that. He's gonna live, and I'm gonna take care of him. I'm willing and, to be this way. And no matter what, I'm gonna. Even if I have to take it, it's because I still loved him, just because we were divorced. But if I have to just take care of him and all that, I will. But you know, we're still gonna have our happy family. You know, whatever, all those things. And you know, of course. That's not the way it worked out. Right. So I often think of that. Um, so what happened? Well, what happened was I started realizing that I did not have control. Mm. And that was a big, big wake-up call. And so I actually became, through, through time from there, I became less of a control freak because of that. Because I started realizing that we only have right now, we only have the moment the things we think are going to happen maybe aren't um, or maybe other things good or bad will happen that we just don't even can't even imagine and so I really started learning to tell myself well control is an illusion right. so anytime I get wound up about wanting to be in control of a situation and things weren't going my way or whatever you know I would sort of step back from that and start kind of doing that. I, I always think of that saying, um, 
man plans and God laughs. <laughs> I do too. I love that one. It's one of my very favorite ones. So, so I thought it would be kind of good to talk about like control. What do you, what do you think, Rebecca or David, about control? What do you, how do you see that in your life? Well, that and that is an interesting topic. And so the first thing that kind of hits me with all of that, as you're sharing your story, I'm thinking about, you know, all of the people in the world that I've heard stories of over my lifetime that had their whole life planned out. They were going to be an athlete or they were going to go to a certain college or they mm-hmm. were going to, it was going to look a certain way and then it got right down to it. And like in your situation, for some reason that plan was thwarted and then they were left trying to figure out where to go next and how how for some people that became a devastating thing and it completely undid them and they were never able to recover ended up with uh, you know addictions or whatever mm-hmm. where at the same time other people faced with the same sets of circumstances used it to kind of bolster themselves and head in a different direction and find skills they didn't know they had right. or develop knowledge that they never even imagined being interested in before that and so that that's kind of playing in my head as you're telling me that well I think I think there's a lot of factors that contribute to that but I do definitely think how we see control contributes to whether you succeed or you know move on or, or stay stuck right and I totally agree with that and the other thing I have going on in my head is you're sharing that story too based on a conversation we were having earlier unrelated to this podcast is I think of a situation that I personally came from in which I kind of followed that path you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I did, I did the expected thing, got married, had the kids and everything. And, you know, just minutes into this marriage realized I had made a horrible Huge mistake. Minutes? Oh, because, wow. well, okay, I'm going to say like hours into within, okay. within so about 24 right hours. Right after the veil came off. So right after the wedding on the honeymoon realized that I was in a severe domestic violence situation. Mm. Oh my gosh. And when, so it, it, for the next 14 years, oh that became, you know, a situation in which I felt I had no control mm-hmm. and was being controlled by someone right. else mm-hmm. and had to go through a lot of drama and trauma to finally be able to make an exit from that situation, which you think, okay, now you're in control. You've left the situation. Mm -hmm. What nobody Mm -hmm. tells you as a domestic violence survivor is that the minute you leave the situation, it gets so much worse. And that's when all hell actually breaks loose. Mm -hmm. And then you spend the next period of time trying to not just survive it, but recover from Mm -hmm. all of that. And how even years down the road, after the fact, the slightest little thing can can pop up, and all of the progress that you've made gets hit by that trigger, and all of a sudden, you realize that you this person can still control your outcome or or certain things in your environment mm. that you have no control over. So that's been you know part of the the process of this past year with my children in particular well, as well. And, and really a lot of people think that if you're, you know, I know I've heard a lot of people say, well, if you're in a domestic violence relationship, why don't you just leave? 
Right. Because it's not really always in your control, not yep. in the way that you think it is. You is might it? be economically dependent. In my mm -hmm. situation, I was financially dependent. I was in a situation where everybody around us loved this person, thought they were you know, absolutely charming and wonderful, and, mm -hmm. and outside of the home, very generous and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Which but is a common paradigm, Common, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yes. Where they, they look like an angel outside to the, everybody to else. everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you try to you know, speak out about what's happening behind closed doors, you're oftentimes met with, you know, Disbelief. not that person, they would never heard of fly, right. and people mm -hmm. think you're the crazy one, uh -huh. and then if it happens or to the be drama maker. someone who plays on that, you know, to, yeah. to create allies for themselves, then, well, you can be made to look really terrible, even to your own family, which was my situation, mm -hmm. and then to make it even further complicated, we were heavily involved in our church. So here we are both serving on the ministry. So anytime I try to speak out about what's happening oh, or ask goodness. for help to be able to exit the situation, I'm met with you know a bunch of religious mm -hmm. doctrine that uh, says that I'm the one who oh, has the problem. Goodness. I'm the one who's mm -hmm. supposed to change because I'm supposed to turn the other cheek and that kind of that kind of thing. And even at the point that I did manage to extricate myself from the situation even for a period of time after people from the church would you know show up somewhere random and tell me they were you know praying for the reconciliation of my marriage as if as if they had control over right. it right mm -hmm. and and I would at that point then pose the question what if has it ever considered have you ever stopped to consider what if me being able to get out of that marriage was an answer to a prayer yeah absolutely <laughs> right kind of right thing. So. Yeah, well, that's that's very interesting because when my husband was in the hospital uh, dying, um, my a member of my family um, apparently had been praying very fervently for him to live, and um, you know when he did pass away, she actually came to me and she said, you know, I had my whole prayer group on this. I don't understand why he died, mm -hmm. and I was like. Wow, okay, so that was a big thing around control. Absolutely. We really think we have control over things, and if we just pray hard enough, if we if we just did the, this or that or the other right. thing, we would have control of the situation, and Absolutely. it just doesn't work that way. The the world, the energy of the world is, is, is sort of mysterious, and it sort of moves in ways that we cannot even comprehend sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I think I like to move away when I work with clients or I do readings or, or even in my own life. I like to move away from this idea about control because mm -hmm. that is not where it's, it, it is. As you saw, you couldn't necessarily control everything, Rebecca, that was going on in your life. In fact, you had very little control. And, and then my knowing domestic violence people who commit domestic violence, they what all they're really doing is trying to be in control in in it's I mean it's not excusable and not in a good way but but all of that is about control right wouldn't we all be better off if we kind of relaxed into the idea that we don't have control mm -hmm. and we certainly can't control other people we can't control other you know events like that so I mean I think you know, your ex-husband would have been good to understand. He can't actually have control. Even though he was exerting control over you, his life still didn't go the way that he wanted it to, did it? No, it did not. No, and it was his understanding of not having control that 
cause mm-hmm. him to act out even, yes. even more so, yeah. which put him in more situations where he had bad repercussions because he was losing control, right? trying to have control. So what a... Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to talk about control, because I think that it's such a pervasive thing in our culture to think that, well, we can just control our circumstances, we can control ourselves, we can control what happens, and I think we would be much better off if we kind of moved out of that paradigm into the idea of control is an illusion, Mm -hmm. and then what do we do from there, right? Right. Because that, that opens up a whole lot of other possibilities in my opinion. I don't think that admitting that control is an illusion is a weakness of any kind. I think it is absolutely the place of strength. I would agree with that. And I don't know if you guys have kind of noticed this or not. Fair to say we're all, some of us are over 50, some of us <laughs> in this room are getting close to 50. But one of the things that, that has been kind of a profound thing for me personally in that kind of rite of passage uh, age thing uh-huh. is that I my perception of the world has changed so much. And yes. I don't know if it's the numbers or if it's just that having that much life experience mm-hmm. under your belt at that point. But like you said, I suddenly become extremely aware of all of the people, places, and things that I have no control over, and also infinitely aware of the things that I do have control over. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who has control over what time I do things in my schedule within my Mm -hmm. capacity to to achieve them. Like anytime, obviously you have no control over somebody else, so if you're depending on other people for, say, rides or things like that, that's something that, you know, there's no sense getting upset about those things if they don't go the way you pictured them because you don't always have control about those. You don't have control over the traffic always. You don't have you know, right? Or as you've seen, you don't have control over your car books. I mean, exactly. You know. However, the things that I I know that I can control is I can control the the food purchases that I make at the grocery store. And if I have and at being the age I am and having some autoimmune issues, as do you, mm-hmm. um, I have come to be painfully aware that there are just certain foods that I I cannot eat, and unfortunately, right. there are also foods that I actually love, and I have control over whether I put those things in my body and suffer because of it or whether I choose to stay away from them and, and not suffer. And sometimes I I don't always make a choice my body agrees with. Well, right. and you know, I think we'll get into that in another podcast, but uh but that's kinda my point. Even even to that degree, our subconscious mind controls us more than we ever know. Mm-hmm. And our subconscious mind is developed through our experiences through life and all of that, especially in childhood and things like that. Certain things get ingrained in our in our subconscious mind. We're not and subconscious means we're not consciously aware of those things. And so sometimes you're making a choice to eat something that you know your body doesn't like, but the degree to which you actually have control over that in that moment is probably less than you think it is because your subconscious mind is making that choice, not you. And that that's a very interesting thing to pose because I in on that issue in particular, like I'm the one who buys my groceries, I'm the one who puts mm-hmm. the money. If I know darn well I'm not supposed to have a thing and I I mean to that, I feel like I am in control, and if I'm choosing to go ahead and buy it anyway, I don't feel like that's my subconscious. I feel like that's me 
rebelling so, sometimes <laughs> some, but but it's your subconscious mind that's that's causing you to rebel i think sometimes we can make that as a conscious choice but i think if if we end up feeling guilty or bad about those choices yeah. it's likely because we weren't in control of the decision in the first place we made it based on something else besides conscious control but to, but to be clear you're not implying that that having our subconscious making some decisions for us or leading us down certain paths is in no way absolving ourselves from responsibility for the choice. Oh, yeah. No, I think we still have to, to make choices. And, and David, maybe you know more about this because I know you've done a lot of this work around changing your um, subconscious mind, you know, making, you know, kind of like acknowledging Okay. where you need to take some responsibility. And I don't think that it, your subconscious mind can't be changed, but I think it has to be recognized and understood that maybe we don't, you know, just going like that, snapping your fingers, isn't going to change that. Right. If you want control of those decisions truly, it requires underlying work, which I believe we can achieve. Yeah, I do too. Um, that's a great point, actually. Um, I do I do also believe that our subconscious mind or our unconscious mind as some people call us call mm. that um, does kind of run the show yeah however to Rebecca's point we still have responsibility to make the changes we do but I can also see why people have addictions and mm -hmm. why people make the choices they make but also um, I think partially partially we are here to sometimes relinquishing control over the guilt that we feel around the decisions that we make um, kind of releases some of that subconscious control, uh, power over us too. So um, there's a great Buddhist saying that I love, and it's let go or be dragged. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, and I really, really, there's so many ways to look at that. So uh, to me, it's about surrender. So if we if we do something wrong, you know, we eat the wrong thing, we pay the repercussions for that. Um, we, we learn from it eventually, or we choose not to, one way or the other. And um, we... Uh, we either move forward or we don't, and the control over that is—it's a process, just like with them. In my in my opinion, is just like with Donna mm -hmm. said, it's a process of relearning and retraining our programs and our yeah, and our brains to reprogram some things. Um, and the thing is, is that once we the, the, the one thing I want to mention um, here, I don't have too much more to say about this particular subject at this moment, but. The one thing that I, I do want to say is that um, when we feel like we have to hold on so mm. tightly and control everything, that's when everything falls apart. Oh, I and I believe the universe does that on purpose. Mm. So the harder you hold on, like, I got to have that check. I got to get, darn it, I'm going to get there and I better be there on time. And oh, traffic's in my way. The more we ruminate on things that are that we want to control, but we can't, um, the stronger the vibration gets around that and the opposite of that. And I think the law of attraction kind of explains a lot of that stuff. And I've studied, that's part of what I've studied around control as well as what we attract, what we think and what we feel mostly. But, uh, so the point of that is, is that 
sometimes the most powerful thing that we can do is surrender. Mm -hmm. So that's like sometimes oh, yeah. saying, screw it. Let whatever, let the chips fall where they may. And I think a lot of times when we are forced to surrender by the universe, uh, when there are no more choices and we're up against a wall, is when things actually shift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the work that I feel like I'm I'm learning and that I that I that I'm really getting clear about is that that concept of surrender. Yeah. It's like it doesn't it, surrender does not mean let somebody else take over. It means. Yeah. The universe has, we do not have all the power. The universe has its share of the power and sometimes it is guiding us to let go because we're holding on too hard, yeah, too much. So right. that I've always, you know, and surrender is a very difficult thing, but letting it go is. is letting go is one of the most powerful things that we can do to make immediate shifts in our life. Well, and I think that concept of surrender and control, that's, I mean, those are the, the two, two things that go together. I mean, I, I do want to, at some point in another episode, maybe talk a little bit more about blame versus responsibility, because I do think you are 100% right. You know, responsibility and control kind of go together, but, um, but, but really what I want, what I want to kind of get into here is, is this, is this control and surrender thing, because, um, so I think, I think there are certain, I think we generally control ourselves to the level that we can consciously, consciously, and our subconscious sort of drives the bus after that. So if we find ourselves doing things that we don't like, you know, we're eating foods we don't want to be eating, we're drinking too much, drinking too much, we are doing, um, codependency, or yeah, yeah. with toxic people, uh-huh, yeah. Or like staying in a job, we right? Or our children, we we their behavior isn't, and we tell them to control their behavior and stuff like that. I think that it's. I don't want to. I don't use this as an excuse. It's like, oh, they're excused from never having to do anything different. But I do think that it's an interesting line that we have to walk because we have to have some compassion for the fact that maybe we're not always in control and maybe we don't have that power just to grab it hard and shake it and make you know make it get under control um willpower to me is a is a illusion and yeah it's a it's a false thing we we don't have i mean we we all have a certain amount of willpower but it, but eventually eventually so like if you're breaks. if you're hanging on to the side of a cliff by willpower and you got your fingernails dug in and you've got your fingers dug in and you and you're gonna fall if you let go I mean that's willpower but you can only do that for so long eventually unless someone comes to help you off that cliff or some other thing happens that saves you you will let go because you only have willpower for so long you cannot live by willpower so the idea that we can change our life based on willpower or anything like that to me it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't I absolutely work. agree with that I agree that willpower is probably the weakest or the most vulnerable mm -hmm. clink chink in the armor um, of making changes and so when it's we it's about gentle guidance right. willpower or whatever works for so long like you said like Doing the last rep, 
Mm-hmm. And, and I work out yeah. forever. It works for short bursts, but on, as a long-term plan, it is a plan for destruction. Yeah. And so yeah. I think in our in our society, in our world, we often control gets pushed into a lot of this. Like, well, just control yourself. Get control of yourself. And we think willpower is the way to do that. But I will tell you that your subconscious mind, your unconscious mind, is much stronger than your willpower and just like you know water dripping on a rock will eventually you know make a a hole in the rock or a divot in the rock that is what happens with your subconscious mind you can you can power through you can have willpower you can try to control your behavior you can try to or your children can try to control their behavior but whatever is going on on that under level is going to eventually erode that so I'm really glad you said that because that was kind of the point of what I was yeah. leading up to with being at the age I am now and, and getting these clear understandings of where I have control and where I don't have control. The other thing that I have come to understand and accept and work with is those areas in which I, I lose lose control. I'm doing quotation marks there, quotation mm-hmm. marks. Lose control or end up you know making a bad choice or whatever. I now understand because of my age and also all the research I've done that that is actually a result of programming from either my childhood or experiences that I've had along the way or whatever, and that what I do have control over is whether I let that programming continue to direct my life down a path I don't want to go, or whether I can take an action that can reverse or alter that programming so that I have the capacity to make different choices. And so that's kind of where I was going with that, is, is I don't know if that's just because of age that I now understand this but then that that brings me to to my thing where when I recognize an area that I'm struggling with that concept feeling like I should be able to control it but I'm still you know giving into what I would view as the wrong choice or the bad choice or whatever I will now incorporate a tool like EFT or hypnosis Mm -hmm. or something like that to help rewire my brain to a more desirable outcome Mm -hmm. Well, and I also find that that's a really good, those are great techniques, and they powerful. Um, And then not beating ourselves up for making those choices. Mm -hmm. That is one way to continue to make bad choices is, oh, gosh, you're awful, you're a terrible person. Gosh, that's the first thing I want to do is run for the piece of chocolate cake or right. whatever uh-huh. it is that's that's right. whatever <laughs> it is that's gonna be sabotaging me when I'm beating myself up. So part of that surrendering and part of and the techniques that we're using and is like just uh, forgiveness is a weird word to me because I yeah. don't really understand fully what it means. Well, I get parts of it. We can totally talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get parts of In it and future. I don't understand other parts, but it's like not focusing so hard and beating ourselves up and other people like you know we have this capacity to judge other people so much for things that we also do mm-hmm. you know uh, don't oh. eat that don't drink that mm-hmm. why are you so codependent why, why are you this way yeah what you know and not being in their shoes sometimes it's a, we don't understand their full story, and that doesn't mean that they don't have responsibility, but it's not our job always either to we don't deflect from our own issues and look right. at other people's constantly, which I see a lot. I mean, I'm sure both of you see that a lot. It's oh, like, yeah. 
on. Well, if I can't, if I don't have my life together, I'm going to look at yours and pick it apart and all the things that you're, that you're screwing up and that you don't have control over, quote unquote, right? right. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. people do that a lot. Yeah. Well, that's, that is why we, that's, that's why I kind of wanted to talk about this topic and I want to talk about a couple other topics down the road, but for those very reasons, is like, I think our world would do a lot better if we understood some of this a little bit better because we get into blame, we get into, um, you know, that's why there's so much negativity that people throw around at each other Mm -hmm. because I think if we kind of started from this, first this compassionate understanding that not everything is really as in control as we think it is, that's where we can start making positive change. You have to first acknowledge that that the control just isn't there. And maybe seeing that as a blessing. Mm-hmm. That That's not necessarily a bad thing. Not having control is kind of like an invitation to let life flow mm-hmm. the way that it flows without, without yeah. of, of course, keeping responsibility for our choices, mm-hmm. but to allow things to unfold the way that they're supposed to without us, you know, driving the... The so, on it so a lot of the, which is really tiring mm-hmm. exhausting and a lot of what I try to do and again I said I'm a control freak I'm not lying I am even though I know all this I still want to have things my way or control them you know to go the way that I want them to but one of the things that I really try to remember and remind myself all of the time I always try to start with the basis especially when I'm looking at other people instead of Instead of always pointing the finger or blaming or saying, hey, you know, you don't think what I think, so you're wrong. Or why don't you just get control of yourself? Why don't you just handle this? Why don't you just, you know. Or why do you keep screwing that? Why do you keep making that same choice yeah, over and over again? Exactly. All those things. So I try to start from a, a real basis of, like, I really strongly believe, based on my understanding of trauma, and I've done a lot of reading and research on trauma. And, and work. Uh-huh. You've worked with, with yes. patients. Yes, and, and, and myself too. You know, I've healed a lot of the trauma in my life. I understand that so much of our life is driven by our trauma until we heal it, you know, that I always try to start from the, the compassionate stance of that I really believe strongly that people are always doing the best that they can. Now, sometimes that is not good at all. Right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they're they're point. doing very harmful things in the world and stuff. But I don't I don't believe that people just make a choice to be bad or evil or do bad things. I think they're always driven by something. I I used to work as an advocate in special education, and we had a student. So I was the family's advocate. We'd go into these into these schools with the with the with all the hooty doos of the school there, telling us how bad this kid is. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they tell us all the time. Well, he does this, he does that, and I had a, a I was advocating for a kid that had some very social issues. I mean, he he was he had autism, I believe, or or something like that that was affecting his ability to to really function. And he had some behaviors that were really annoying to other kids. I mean, he would stick his hands down his pants and then smell his fingers, you know? And that, and he was like a middle schooler. And 
the teacher was sitting there telling me that he just does that because he thinks it's funny and he it's a choice he's making, blah, blah, blah. Well, on some level, I suppose that's true. But I took it back a little further with this lady and I said, you know, really, do you think that he sits at home at night and, and you know, rubs his fingers together and thinks, oh my goodness, how am I going to be gross and disgusting tomorrow? Because, because I really like to be ostracized by my peers. I really like to make everybody freak out, you know? I don't think there's a kid on the planet that if you asked him, do you, would you, you know, choose to be the pariah or would you want to actually get accepted by your peers? You know, if, the, if it was up to them, they would probably make the choice of being accepted. I mean, I know we get a lot of rebellion around that, and, but again, that's a whole other story. But, but I think, I do not believe that that behavior was driven by him to, as a purposeful, I like this, I want to be this way. I don't think there was ever a point in his childhood, in his life, he was a middle schooler. I don't think when he was in fifth grade or fourth grade or third grade or kindergarten that he just said, gosh, I think it would be fun to be a pariah. Mm -hmm. Let me see what I can do to make that happen. And so I think, you know, that's what I kind of did with that teacher. I explained to her, look, I don't think that you're seeing this right. And I, and I think that happens in our schools all the time. I think by us saying, well, this kid is just bad right like we don't we do not understand we're labeling because we're labeling and putting a stamp on something yeah and then basically giving them that it, it doesn't help them either because now we've mm -hmm. ostracized now we've given up um options instead because of because they're just bad we've got to control their bad behavior mm -hmm. enough to control keep, to keep bad them behavior. at bay and then we from end the up good with, students. That's how we end up with the whole, you know, school to prison pipeline, all of that, because it's all about that. Let's put them where we can't see them instead of actually helping them to shift that and change it and everything. Right. And and it's because we think we have control. Right. So I think the true the true story with control is is really about is about healing the trauma healing the pain, having compassion, and understanding that we're all actually doing, we're at, I mean, seriously, I really believe this. There's not a person on the planet that isn't doing the best that they actually can, I, even if I they're like, horrible. <laughs> I, I want to kind of interject with that and ask what you mean. I would love to know what both of you mean. I have my version of what's, what are you, we're all doing the best that we can. What mm -hmm. does that mean? Because that's a, that's something that I've heard um, on on and off throughout my life that we all are doing the best that we can. What do you What do we mean by that? What does it mean to you? To me, to me, it means that if we had different tools that we'd use them, and we're using the tools that we have to the best of our abilities, even if they're really poor tools, and um, some of that is coping mechanisms, and that really the 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 goal is to feel better to, uh, and whatever that whatever that means mm -hmm. maybe that person mm -hmm. was looking for attention and that made them feel like, like they were seen for the first time in mm -hmm. a long time so maybe that maybe that's what that meant in that moment and you know what I mean yeah. they, were, they were just trying to be seen um, or 
our families when we don't feel like we're being treated correctly. We, we, it's kind of important for us to look back and find out what their programming was instead of you know pointing the blame at how they're behaving constantly whether and it might be really bad it might mm -hmm. be awful and abusive but to find the understanding of where that is coming from right um and that's what i so i guess that's what i mean by doing the best we can and i, I agree with that um i'd love to agree 100 percent with that sometimes my brain wants mm -hmm. to say they're not doing the best that they can but that doesn't mean they're not. You know well, what I mean? Sometimes my brain yes. says they are really trying to be an ass. Yeah. Well, <laughs> or they're really that, trying to piss me off. But how much control they have over that maybe just has a lot to do with their trauma and everything. Exactly. And I'm not saying that as an excuse. I don't think that, you know, the guy that goes shoots up the liquor store or whatever, or the high school or whatever, shouldn't be, um, you know, in prison or whatever or whatever. That's not my point at all, but I think as we we have to have we have to look at that person with some sort of compassion. Yes. To say I, I understand that something somewhere along the line got the wires messed up mm -hmm. in that person's brain, right. and that is why this is happening. Again, it's not it's not to say that that person doesn't have some responsibility or sh or shouldn't pay for their crimes or whatever and you know I have a lot of thoughts on all that too but that's another story but um but it's not it's not an excuse it's not a get out of jail free card when I say that your people are doing the best that they can but I really believe that for whatever reason the conditioning that they've had the trauma that they've had the, the just the way they started out with their brain, brain wired you know I think everyone is operating at the best level that they can and and if they could do something different they probably would what do you so think, that Rebecca? makes me want to answer I'm your question and then it's uh -huh. related sure. to sure. my response to you as well so in my perspective what doing the best you possibly can means to me is that I have an awareness of of what my limitations are and what what they aren't and that I'm constantly striving to do better, to be better, mm -hmm. to to not take away from anybody or anything on the planet, but to leave a more positive mark and that doing the best I can means I'm continually in a process to educate myself so that I have better skills and I have better tools and I have a better frame of reference and a better mindset so that I can pass those things on to the people that I directly impact in my world and yeah. to recognize where I have a shortcoming that I need to fix because it, it, because it's hurting people and to take the action to to make those changes. I think that's what being doing the best that I can means I'm always looking at my own personal behavior and impact and making sure that I'm doing better. If that makes any sense. Yeah, okay. that does make sense. But what, what? How about in the larger sense? Is everybody doing the best that they so, can? I would love to hear what you note, have to say. About that. <laughs> I don't think everybody <laughs> is doing the best they, they can, but I don't. I also don't think that they are aware of that. And case in point, how I'd like to respond to that, this is a conversation I actively have in my home literally almost every day of my life. My children's dad is bipolar. He's diagnosed multiple times bipolar. Um, so there are a lot of, a lot of 
damages that have been done over their lifetime that the conversation I always have with my children is that okay what you need to I'm not taking away your right to be hurt and to feel bad about the injuries you've been caused that is your right to to have that but please know and understand that your dad has a condition that doesn't allow him to see things that he does when he does hurt you. And trust me when I say that if he could understand how he was hurting you and could make a different choice, that he would choose to make a different choice. I think a lot of times mental illness can get in the way for people mm -hmm. because it limits their brains, the neurons in their brains to tell them what good behaviors can be. And I think if they had someone in their life or or the tools in their life to be able to understand what was preventing those choices from being made or those actions from taking place, I think that given the awareness, they would choose mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. better. So but you, I think a lot of times you do people think people are choice. doing the best that they can. So well, I that's don't what, know. That's so what I kind of just heard. Kind of is going that you, back that you, to my point. Okay. My ex-husband, my kid's dad has been diagnosed multiple times with bipolar and refuses to seek treatment for it. Mm -hmm. Understanding that if he were treated from it, he would have access to being able to make better choices. But be because he chooses not to be treated for it, he is thereby making a choice to not do the best he could do. Okay. Well, interesting. And, and, and so my perspective would say that I think he ha he, that doesn't, absolve him of the responsibility to try to do better but I still think that he is doesn't have a choice in not seeking the help because because there's a part of his brain that is telling him that's it's that's not good it's bad I can't do it whatever for whatever reason it's wired wrong and I and I agree that so I like I said that doesn't absolve him of responsibility right but yet see I think I think there's a very diff there's a very interesting dichotomy that happens because because I think from my per for me personally it's my responsibility to always try to do better mm -hmm. and and I have certain blocks that keep me from doing some of the things that I know I need to do to do better but but once you but become I aware keep of trying them. and trying well sometimes I mean but sometimes I my brain still is wired the way that it is and. I will just keep throwing up blocks, throwing up blocks, and I will keep trying just to work through those blocks. But, but sometimes it's a it's a much more of an uphill than than we think it is. But on the other hand, so for me, I can look at myself and say, yes, I have the responsibility to do this. It's it's no excuse. All these things. But when I when I'm looking at you or or your ex-husband or the the kid down the street that you know whatever what I'm my as a compassionate human being as a spiritual human being as a person who believes that love is the the actual answer to everything I feel that I have to look at them and say okay that he has some responsibility I agree with that but in the end you you have to always go back underneath and start with does he really have control of it right well here's the other I and have how something. I'm gonna treat him is gonna be dictated by that right right I want to add to that too 
just because somebody is doing the best that they can does not mean that we need to be part of that. Absolutely. So I want, and, and that that's not distracting from no. what you said or detracting, Absolutely. it's adding to. So just because Mr. So-and-so is, is bipolar and doing the best that he can doesn't mean that we don't need to pack our bags and leave yeah, when, uh, when we're able. Okay. And he can Absolutely. continue to do the best we can as far so, away from me as a, possible. I have a <laughs> saying with that. Absolutely. I have right? a saying that goes right along with that. I had I raised a, a bunch of kids that were my own. I had some foster kids and and whatnot. And I will tell you that what I always tell them about their parents who um who were not that great of parents. But it's very confusing for the child because it's still like it's still their mom. They still love their mom, but uh, they've been hurt by their mom over and over and over. And so, you know, what I tried to teach them was that you can have love and compassion for that person. It's natural. You can have love and you can feel compassion, but you can do that from a distance. Exactly. And that's Amen. what I say. Amen. I agree with that, and I think that's part of evolution and self and self preservation and self love. So self love mm -hmm. for us to do the best we can. Sometimes, including our families, mm -hmm. sometimes we have to distance ourselves from those people that we love, or we don't. You know, we can't. We don't. Maybe we all love each other on a higher level, but on this plane of existence, sometimes that's hard to feel. Right. Um, but sometimes we need to. A lot of times, actually in order to be the best that we can be for those that are available to help us grow and for us to bring the best out in others that we that are that's possible mm -hmm. for in our little worlds that we need to leave behind those that are that, that are um, not in alignment with our, yeah. with our visions okay. and and you know the, again, that forgiveness thing. I'm mm -hmm. not. Look, we can talk yeah. about that another time. With whatever that means, but sometimes that could heal us. And mm -hmm. the point being, though, that um, even if we are all doing the best that we can, that sometimes we need to do that on a different road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what I talk about too. You know, like I said, he may not be in control of all of that, and you certainly aren't in control of what he's doing, and the kids aren't in control of what he's doing. All of those things are true, but what the, they can have compassion for him and understand that he's got brain differences, it's all of those things, but they don't have to put themselves in the path of that repeatedly over and over of being hurt, right? Yeah, agreed. So, that to me is what I'm talking about control is an illusion it is it it really doesn't exist but there's a lot of things that run around that that we need to be cognizant of that we need to be thinking about and I think we talked about with this energy of podcast that we kind of want to bring it always back to where's the love because that's Absolutely. the answer and I think that's the answer with control the love is in understanding that control is an illusion it's good to have compassion, but you can always, you don't have to put yourself in the path of destruction. Yeah, and I think that um, the love also, to add to that, is in the surrendering of, I am holding on too tightly to everything, and everything's falling yes. apart, and recognizing that me holding on so tightly isn't working, 
and sometimes saying, let the chips fall where they may um, and allow the universe to co-create with us, which isn't necessarily what we would call control, but it mm -hmm. certainly is powerful. Yeah, absolutely. So on that note, happy listener, thank you for tuning in to us this past hour, and we'd love to know your thoughts and opinions on the energy of control. So please leave your comments below. And if you don't mind, go out to wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review. And with that, we'll see you next time on The Energy Of.